York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. What a great way to celebrate Christmas Day. The Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Love the one you're with. This is a continuation of the Sliwa family tradition that actually my wife Nancy started in the aftermath of uh, what could have been a life-and-death situation for me in 2017, and we pledged every holiday here at WABC to be in studio. So today, Christmas, then again, New Year's, on Easter we've done it, on Thanksgiving, because we know that on a day like this, for some, uh, there is pure exaltation as they're joined with family and friends, whereas others are steeped in the depths of a depression that they may never recover from. And it's important on days like this that you do have friends side by side with you. And I know for a lot of you, without naming names, that we are your extended family here on WABC. Every day, every hour, every week of every year, and especially on holidays. So Nancy and I are keeping that Sliwa tradition alive. So once again, Nancy, if... uh, if you can uh, sort of take us back to 2017 when we did this very first Sliwa family um, Christmas a super extravaganza with a live show. Not a, not a tape, not a pre-recorded show. No, no, no. I don't believe in that. Yeah, so this was in uh, – so Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, this was 2017 when uh, you had your surgery. Uh, December 13th, you went in for the surgery. And you are a Columbia Presbyterian, and you were using as a motivation to, you know, uh, during rehabilitation to be live on the air so that you could join everyone. And that was what kept you, you know, just so focused as you were rehabilitating. And we got home on the 23rd, and on the 25th, you we, you came in, and we did a family show with... Um, your son Anthony and his friend Hamza. Hamza, who uh, had been living in Baghdad, his father was a international delegate assigned to the United Nations. That's why he was in New York City. So he gave us an idea of what Christmas was like amongst the Chaldeans. He, although he was not Christian, he was Muslim. But how the Chaldeans would celebrate Chris, Christmas, and they are the Christian uh, Iraqians. 
who were very close to the Roman Catholic Church and who tried to adopt me <laughs> by claiming when I was in Detroit, since they run all the party stores in Detroit, which is the toughest thing to do, the equivalent of bodegas, that Sliwa in Chaldean means crucifix, which it does. And the Archbishop of the Chaldean Church uh, in Iraq's last name was Sliwa. And they said to me, what would you prefer to be? Would you prefer to be Chaldean, where your last name Sliwa means crucifix, and the Archbishop of the Chaldean Roman Catholic Church is named Sliwa, or would you rather be a plum, which is what your last name means in Polish, Ukrainian, and Russian? Is this like the the equivalent of like gender identity today? Most most typically, and I, I had to think really long and hard. It's like wow, especially a day like uh, Christmas or Easter, being uh, your last name uh, being the word for crucifix <laughs> in the Chaldean language, the original language, the the language spoken G- of Jesus, the uh, Aramaic. Yeah. Oh, I really had it. Yeah, that's twice. not going to get you a lot of presents. But it's certainly nothing that I was thinking about when, uh, as you pointed out, in 2017, uh, what day was I checked into Columbia Presbyterian? Uh, December 13th. December 13th. And just so all of you uh, can sort of have uh, get on that time machine, that Rod Serling uh, time machine uh, of um, another episode in the uh, Sliwa life. I had gone from about oh, 220 pounds down to about 140 pounds. I looked like I was a survivor of the concentration camps because I had gone from having colitis, ileitis, to chronic Crohn's disease. And I was fading fast. And luckily, Margot Katsimatidis, it was on the Greek Independence Day uh, float that the Katsimatidis family has. And she looked at me and she said, look, we got to get you right away in a Columbia Presbyterian. You're dying. Whereas everybody else was saying to me, Nancy, right? Oh, You've lost so much weight. Oh, you, you look, look so great. good. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so she recognized it. And then John used his connections to speed up the process because every minute, every day could not be delayed. And the next thing you know, I was undergoing an eight and a half hour operation for chronic Crohn's disease. And thankfully, you spoke to the surgeons and made sure that they didn't give me another colostomy bag that I had had after June 19th, 1992, and I was shot with the five hollow-point bullets. And what happened was um, the time prior, like um, the week or so before the surgery, they were trying to get a very good look at what they were going to do when they went into, when they opened you up, right? But to get the imaging, you had to take the... Um, that that's sort of a thick drink. It's like a milk of magnesia. It's like battery acid. <laughs> or that. And you tried to take it, and you got sick from it. They never were able to do the imaging. So what happens is when they wind up opening you up, it was far worse than they thought, and it was tremendous. So then that's when they called. It was supposed to be a four-hour surgery, and then four hours into it, they called me in the waiting room, and they said, look, he's already open, but... We're either going to have to go back in and do it again because it's a lot or we'll just finish it up now. So what do you want to do? So, you know, you're already open. So they they continued. It was over eight hours of surgery. And they actually took the picture of what they took out of you. It was tremendous. Like a big Cheeto. Oh, yeah. And it was life-saving. There's no doubt about it. And you're right. The motivation for me to get out of that bed at Columbia Presbyterian was to know that I could talk to our WABC audience, many of them having been through similar situations, worse or a little worse, but life-threatening, 
or would be homebound during the Christmas Hanukkah holidays with nobody around because either their their friends or family had all passed to the hereafter or they were no longer available to them. And I struggled. Uh, It was difficult. Came in, did the two hours with you and Anthony, my oldest son, and Hamza. Boy, that was uh, indeed a pleasure uh, being there all the way from Baghdad in Iraq. Uh, And it was such a great response from so many people who were uh, in the depths of depression because this out of all the holidays may be the worst of all for those who are alone and on their own. And uh, we decided at that moment that every holiday, it didn't matter, New Year's, uh, Easter, Thanksgiving, uh, that would we, we would put aside whatever it is that we had planned to do as a family and make sure that we were here at WABC for the extended family who was so dependent on us. Yeah, and, and I remember, too, the just to sort of put it in perspective, the way that you felt um, like that morning when we went to get breakfast, the walk to the corner took about 20 minutes. It was that difficult. So then to be on air... I mean, really, you had to just put everything in. But, I mean, you, you sounded great. Uh, but like I said, for, that, for the two hours or so that we did that, that was, um, you know, that was a great experience. Well, you know, the, the opportunity to speak on uh, the nation's number one news talk uh, station in the nation to so many people even beyond our tri-state area around the country now, especially, Nancy, uh, since they're on the app, they're listening globally. They're listening to the stream on a laptop computer, sometimes while they're working on their work computer, so many different ways that they can listen to this program. And then eventually on a podcast, if all of a sudden they missed it and now they're stuck in the long the long period in between Christmas and the dropping of the ball in Times Square uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, they get to listen to that and reconnect. And it's the least that we can do as part of our outreach from uh, this extended family of WABC. So... To all of you out there, no matter how difficult it may be because you're forced to work, you're out there dealing in these miserable Arctic conditions that other Americans are suffering through uh, far worse than we are in our area, but it's bad here and it's worse in other areas. Uh, um, very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and a seasonal uh, holiday tribute to all of you for making it through to another year because for, for a lot of us, we can remember family and friends and others who were never able to make it to this Christmas who are no longer with us. Uh, And uh, we've buried them or we cremated them or they're in an urn or they're somewhere, you know, floating around in a satellite, an Elon Musk satellite, or you've spread their ashes at sea or on land, but the spirit lives on. Let's open up the phone lines, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And if you could, uh, Nancy, because of the bitterly cruel Arctic uh, crunch that has hit us, uh, you've been out like two days in a row, nonstop trying to protect those who are stuck outdoors all the time because that's what they were born and raised to do. But yet in these bitterly cruel Arctic uh, icing times, they need help. They need help from uh, me and you in order to survive what is going to be a few more days of these uh, below zero freezing temperatures that with a wind chill factor make it feel like 10 or 20 degrees below zero. Yeah, so at this at this point I'd say the most important thing is trying to create some form of a shelter for the cats. Uh, like and that's what I'm thinking about specifically because I take care of cats outdoors. 
So if you have an ability to open up a basement or a garage, anything that maybe is going to provide a little bit of extra heat. Now, traditionally, what what I do is I create little um, shelters for the cats. So it's a Tupperware container, something that's uh, resistant to rain and snow. It won't get wet internally. And then uh, within the Tupperware container, you put something insulating. So a styrofoam container is a perfect example, but there are other things that can be insulating. Um, you know, in a in a pinch, if you just put a container where they're not going to get wet, and then you put uh, maybe like uh, shreds of newspaper internally. Uh, you can put hand warmers to maybe get it a little bit warm. But if the cats can get out of there, the animals can get out of there and dry off, that's going to be helpful because right now they're subject to hypothermia because their their fur will will freeze up. I mean, we're below freezing already. So if they're wet already, it's really virtually impossible for them to dry up unless you're helping them in some way. Now, you posted some of the pictures of the feral cats. These are cats who will never come indoors. They were born and they live to exist outdoors in colonies. They are Mother Nature's best uh, defense against rats, rodents, and mice. Uh, but at times like this, um, they have to, uh, their basic instinct is to find shelter, but shelter is so limited. Where can they see the pictures of what you and others, because there are uh, dozens and dozens, mostly uh, women, but some men out there who do exactly what you do intending to uh, feral cat colonies, not just uh, when the weather is good and normal, but when the weather gets like this and it's life-threatening to them. Um, so I've, I posted uh, pictures of the recent outing that I had. So on your social media, so say Facebook, you go to Curtis Sliwa, you go to Twitter, Curtis Sliwa. I also have it on mine, which is Nancy Sliwa. And you can see the houses that I put up. And also the other thing I did as well was uh, when you're putting out the food and water, the tendency that there is for the water to freeze so quickly, then they can't get at it. So I created like a, you know, sort of like a double level of water, like two containers in one. And in the bottom where it's dry, I put the hand warmers. They stay, they get very hot. They stay very hot for anywhere from, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours. And that'll help keep it from um, freezing over. So, you know, this way you don't have to be out there every hour or two. And then to our very dear friend and friend of WABC, uh, City Councilman Robert Holden, who represents Middle Village, Mass, Fifth Glendale, a lot of listeners there. Uh, he reported uh, to us that the horse carriage industry was not following the rules and regulations they had agreed to, which is when the temperatures plunge below 18 degrees. They have to bring the horses and the carriages back to the stables that are along the West Side Highway. And they had not done that. And then uh, yesterday, uh, Nancy spent a good deal of her time roaming about Central Park to make sure that there were no horse and carriages out there. And it was really great teamwork because there were other people uh, out there likewise doing the same thing. What was it you saw from one day to the next? Well, so um, the day before yesterday, they, they had the horses out. I mean, like normal, like usual. And it was bitter cold, so it was well below what it was supposed to be. And it was because... Then there was the uh, backlash against them being out. So, again, this is how aggressively you have to monitor this type of industry because if they can get away with it, they'll try to. And then the difference between then and yesterday, there was no horses out yesterday. Um, and to the credit of the people who, who bicycle ride, uh, the, the low carriages throughout the park, they were out there in full force. I mean, in the cold, trying to do, you know, trying to make some money. So 
I mean, again, there is alternatives. In this, in this incredibly harsh cold, they were willing to be out there bicycle riding people around. So, you know, there is alternatives. Oh, yeah. And uh, by the way, early this morning, the wee hours of the morning, normally I would have been on radio. And boy, let me tell you something. I am pissed. This was not a good Christmas for me. It's like I woke up and I reached into my stocking stuffer and got coal and wood because of a decision made by our imaging director, Chris Libertini, who decided he wanted to do a Christmas extravaganza for six hours instead of me. And oh, man, man, that was like that was like coal and, and wood in the stuffing stocker. But I do want to salute Leo Grillo, who is the sponsor of our Animal Welfare Hour that you can hear in just a few hours. Nancy will be on again with me from 11 to 12. We do it every week. Uh, Leo Grillo runs the Delta Rescue No-Kill Shelter, largest in the nation out in California. You go to DeltaRescue.org. That's DeltaRescue.org. And he sent a stocking stuffer with the name of each of our 18 rescue cats, starting from our patriarch, Apollo, to the matriarch, Athena, to our oldest cat, the AARP cat, Tuna, stuffed with goodies. Lots of toys, and especially the ones they craved the most, the ones that were smeared with catnip. Yeah, so I had to hide those initially. So this way it would be uh, unwrapping for everyone yesterday as it turned to midnight. But, yeah, it was great toys. So they love the things that you can chase around, uh, the balls that have the bells in them, anything that has catnip on it they love. So... Uh, yeah, this is way more than they're used to getting, So, but it was great. I just gave everyone the toys, and they all went crazy. And many of you will say to yourself, gee, is any good that cats or dogs that were surrendered or other animals to the New York City shelter system are alive and warm? Yeah, you could make that comment. But within 72 hours, they may not even see the new year, because if they're not claimed, if they're not fostered out, adopted by rescue groups or individuals, especially in this kind of cold, they're not going to be going to the shelter. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a tough time right now for the animals. And hopefully people are, you know, remembering them right now. And if anyone's looking to adopt animals, obviously it's a great time uh, because there will be a lot that are sitting in the shelters. But think of it. You may not see the beginning of the year, because what will the shelter do here in New York City? Euthanize. They will euthanize them. They will destroy them. Unlike Leo Grillo of the Delta Rescue a Shelter, who has a no-kill shelter privately run out in California, you say, wait a second. You can do that privately run, and yet the city, we, our tax dollars, millions of dollars to run a shelter system, they kill animals in. They kill. Yeah. And you'd say to yourself, how many of those uh, creatures of God will never see the night when the ball drops to live another day because all of a sudden they are considered, well, it's too many for us to handle, too many of them in the inn, so we're going to euthanize you or destroy you. That is who disgraziata, that is a Shanda. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As you can see, a lot of unconventional songs that we play on Christmas because everybody else plays the traditional. They basically, they recycle whatever they did last year. They, they might as well just say, I run the same show that we had last year. No, 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 no. We don't give you the bums, uh, the bum slice uh, from the pizza. We give you a fresh slice every time we do the Sliwa 
holiday extravaganza, whether it's for Christmas, New Year's, Easter, Thanksgiving, because we know there are a lot of you. You're alone. You're on your own. And your family is right here at WABC 24-7-365. You are all part of our extended family, the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Classic R&B, Shy Lights, from Chi-Town, where I spent five years of my life growing up. When those cold winds would come off of Lake Michigan, this is before global warming, climate change, and they didn't have wind chill factor. It'd be 40 degrees below zero. Well, guess what? It's like that today along the Great Lakes. And you see up there in Buffalo, they're getting pounded a second time, a second time within the course of a month. And it's uh, very similar to what happened years ago in Buffalo when I got stuck in one of those uh, those blizzards and had to end up chopping up desks and cabinets in the Guardian Angel headquarters and put them in a stovetop uh, furnace, burn it to stay warm, or we would have had frostbite. I mean, people don't realize because we got a break with the global warming climate change. This is the way it used to be. A lot of traditional winters, especially if you grew up around the Great Lakes, Lake Michigan, Lake Erie, Cleveland, uh, where Erie, Pennsylvania is, Buffalo is, Lake Superior, all the lakes there, Lake Ontario. I mean, they're freezing their tuchuses off. And then you have Florida, which this year set an all-time record for migration to Florida. They now have... uh, the leading migration of any state in the nation. More people moving to Florida, more than moving to Texas or Arizona, anywhere else, first time. And a lot of them are moving right out of here, uh, Nancy, right in our area, especially New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, down to Florida. In fact, let's go to Florida. It's Barry, first caller on the line this uh, Christmas. Your turn to be heard uh, as it's freezing up uh, here, Barry. How cold is it down there? Curtis, it's 41 degrees here, and it might as well be zero degrees. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah, so you're, 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 you're freezing your tuchus down there because you're not used to that kind of cold. Exactly. I'm from Edison, New Jersey, moved here in 2016. And, uh, Curtis, the reason I'm calling is just to use one of your coin phrases. That bum, I hate, I loathe, I deceive that gentleman who kept you and Nancy off of the air yesterday. I think it's terrible. I'm a shut-in. I've got no family here. I depend on you guys to get me through the holidays, and I am so pissed at what this gentleman did to us yesterday. Well, you say, let let me explain, uh, Barry. The person is Chris Libertini. He's our imaging director. He grew up first off on FM radio. FM is freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, Frank Morano, and... 
and Frank McKay, who's the president of our FM affiliate, WLIR, that's reached out to the frozen tundra of the Hamptons. And he has absolutely no idea. He just does everything on repeat. You know, it's sort of like, we did this last year. We'll do it again. Uh, don't want to work. This requires no work, Barry. You're absolutely right. I am more than happy to do overnights all through the holidays because I realize there are a lot of people like you out there, Barry, who are in need of that personal connection that our radio station gives to so many all over the world. It's global now. It's not local. And this do not doesn't understand that. So this year, I'm going to make it a point to have a meeting with uh, Chad Lopez, the president of Red Apple Media, our parent company, and, of course, John and Margot Katsimatidis, who saved this station. And I promise you, Barry, that will never happen again as long as I'm here. That will never happen again, Barry, if I have to I knock not, Chris Libertini's schnoz down his throat. Let that go. Uh, no, 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 no. And I, I know how incredibly important it is. And, Barry, though, have you sensed the migration down there? Because for the first time, Florida leads in all states, in terms of the number of people who are fleeing the other states and coming to your state. Yeah, Curtis, I just hear about it really on the radio. I'm a shut-in. I haven't been out of my apartment since 2020. Mm. I lost the use of my legs uh, to a disease called polymyositis, Mm. which is very rare. And uh, my antibodies are eating my muscles alive. And I don't get out to go anywhere anymore. I'm basically shut in here. Uh, I depend on Walmart to deliver my food to me so I can eat. And it's a horrible disease, but I didn't call to, you know, to complain about that. I'm just very upset. I live listening to WABC 24-7, always broadcasting Curtis is a great slogan. And you are fabulous, and Nancy is fabulous. Thank you. Well, Barry, no, no, right. So much. No, no, Barry, that you have a home outside of your home right here at WABC that will never happen again. Uh, And then uh, you'll be hearing me tonight because I return nine to twelve, and I have a feeling. I just have a feeling, Nancy, that Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, will not be here. I just have that feeling. You know, he's a family guy now. He has uh, young Carmine. I understand that, but uh, we'll see if he shows up. Yeah, I have. A, yeah, I think you're right. He he may claim that somehow he he lost track of Carmine. And yeah, there won't be any best of Frank. Yeah, I'm telling you that much. If necessary, I will be jumping in. I, I'm not going to abandon our friends out there like Barry in Florida. You know how many people there are like Barry out there who are dependent on us, Nancy that I've met over the years, or their relatives, because they are shut-ins like Barry, they can't come outside and say, you know, my, my, my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, they're always listening to WABC. It's really what motivates them. Is and, and we had to plan to bring um, at least several of the cats in so we could sort of like bring in the... The holiday together, and so, I mean, they were even upset. Well, well, that's the other thing. I'm going to sit down with Chad Lopez. We have an extensive uh, video capacity here, very uh, different than most radio stations, and I think we should be videoing once a week uh, the Animal Welfare Hour, different different than the radio, but with actually animals in the house that we video and people can relay because that one hour that we do on Sunday nights – 11 and 12, and in a few hours, the Animal Welfare Hour will be up and live. Not not, not best of, because best of means worst of. Uh, And uh, 
Imagine if we could have it side by side with another program, Animal Welfare, during the week in our vast video studios uh, that people can actually watch and see the animals, whether it's dogs or cats or other animals. Oh, that would be fantastic. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone, that's what's so great about the interaction with the animals, to actually see their personalities. And maybe we get some, some animals there who are, who are in need of homes, and then this way we're showcasing yep. them at the same time. I, I will meet uh, with the Cats and Matitises and uh, Chad Lopez, a New Year's resolution, because this this uh, this... This old-fashioned way of doing radio, no, I, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with that oldie-moldy, predictable stuff, best stuff. No, 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 to me it's worse stuff. You, you've heard me rant before, ladies and gentlemen. Now I throw the gauntlet down. All these young huckleberries around us, FM vet sheds, out with the FM, in with the AM, active-minded. We grew up with AM. Uh, Elon Musk is now getting rid of AM radios out of his electric cars. Others are following at Ford, Chrysler, GM. Uh, Toyota, Hyundai, and the European models. They're trying to destroy this thing of ours. I'm not going to let these FM vet sheds, uh, Chris Libertinis of the world, you know, the hipster millennials, or the Elon Musk of the world to destroy this thing of ours. I promise all of you. Let's go to Edward and my my home away from home, Chi-Town, uh, Chicago. That's my second, uh, my second city. Edward, how cold is it there? Oh, my goodness, Curtis. Yeah, 39th in California, right by Kelly High School, because I know you were somewhere by uh, 43rd in California. Remember that? Yeah, I'm 46 in Rockwell. I spent my first Rockwell, five years yeah. there. Yep, yep. I know where that is, yeah. Oh, it's very cold. I was walking there yesterday, and uh, I see somebody, uh, I mean, I can't prove, but I think they were uh, shoplifting because they ran, and then they're looking behind their back. I called it in. And then another guy goes up uh, in Andersonville up north, like walking north and then he turns around south so yeah it's pretty i really feel sorry for these people that uh have to encounter with these people i live in a police and fire neighborhood over here in uh near midway airport so things are pretty safe over here because we're surrounded with uh police and fire people oh yeah i remember ford city uh my relatives first they moved at 46 in rockwell so they were close Mm -hmm. to the old stockyards bridgeport and lake michigan then they moved out towards Ford City, right near Midway Airport, much smaller yep. than LaGuardia, much smaller, yet has tremendous volume. And then they did the hop, skip, and a junk uh, out to Lockport, uh, where there used to be all cornfields between Joliet and Chicago. They now have the Sliwa compound out there because there are no more farms right. out there. It's all subdivisions. So I know that area extraordinarily well, and not not far from there – First time I was in the projects in Chicago, my dad, I was five years old, Rockwell Gardens. Rockwell Gardens. And I looked around and I said, oh, my God. You remember that uh, actor Ken Wall from the uh, Wise Guy series? He's from uh, 63rd and uh, Cicero. Yeah. He's another uh, Chicago guy. I remember him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he was a great actor. I worked at a gas station over there on 63rd and Cicero. Right. Now, uh, Edward, what people don't realize, as I said, the kind of weather we're experiencing now in New York City, you know, sub-zero freezing weather with uh, the wind chill factor. Uh, I'm 68, soon to be 69. There was never such a thing as wind chill factor years ago. They would tell you in Chicago, it's 20 degrees below zero, and the winds will cut you in half off of Lake Michigan. Am I correct? Yeah, you're right. I'm 53 years old. I'm genera- generation X. You're correct, yeah. 
And I am yeah, telling you, uh, that is cold. And yet, then we got relief, global warming, climate change. And now it seems like the revenge. Yeah, the garbage, yeah. Right, the revenge of winter is upon us. Yeah, I got a suggestion for you. Uh, maybe somebody, you or somebody around the country, those discussions they do where they pay you for, to give your opinion, that should be on TV. That would put a dent on uh, all the stereotypes and what Latinos think and different groups think, because you would hear from their mouth, if I'm a politician, I would not have that stuff on the air. That should be on the air. we got to get that on the air, a, a reality TV show like that, where real people give their opinions about anything in life. That is a brilliant idea, but you're never going to get the producers of these reality shows to actually do reality. I don't think people realize that a lot of that is all staged. People think it's a reality show. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I turned down a reality show, we did a pilot for A&E. It had to do with our efforts in Atlantic City and Philadelphia, and they said to me, Curtis, we have a limited budget. We can't be out there 24 hours a day. I understood. You, you don't have millions and millions of dollars. We have to finesse this. This was their word, finesse this. I said, what, what do you mean finesse it? Well, based on things that have happened in the past with the Guardian Angels, we recreated. There you go, yeah. I say, do you call it a recreation? No, it has to appear to be live. Uh. I said, are you crazy? So you want us to stage it. There's plenty that's going to happen. You just have to be out there. It doesn't happen every five seconds. And they told me straight up, if we can't get in on budget and we can't shave this, so we'll be out the first few hours. We'll see if anything really happens that's noteworthy. But if after four hours of filming with the overhead that we have, we got to stage events. And I remember this is A&E. It doesn't get any bigger than that. At that time, remember, they had the uh, fake, phony, fraudulent reality show Victoria Gotti uh, Jr. and her three little jadrules with the subtitles underneath because you couldn't even understand what they were mumbling and stumbling. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you want to believe a reality show is real. It didn't get any bigger than A&E. They are staged. Well, it, w- it would have been funny if they really wanted to definitely see, see something than just airdrop you into a location where you know things are going to happen real quick. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> All you got to do is put a body cam on me. There you go. Exactly. But the point is, they say reality show, hate to bust your bubble. Many of you out there think that professional wes- wrestling is real, that Vince McMahon Jr., before uh, he had to segue stage left because of all the women he perved on, he would go into the locker room and he would say, tonight you win, tonight you lose, you're the hero, you're the heel. But you're not saying that that the Maury Povich show was fake, right? Those are real people. You believe who's your daddy, Maury Povich, was real? I mean, it looked real to me. Uh, Jerry Springer, you thought that was real? Jerry, Jerry. It, it looked kind of real to I me. I hate to tell you. It's all staged. They pay these people incredible amounts of money. Wait, but you, you, you've been around enough of America to know people like that do exist. Oh, yeah. White hillbillies, black <laughs> hillbillies, they find them out there. So there you go. They found them out there, and they brought them on the show. But then they greased them extra to be really crazy, like attacking one another and oh, slamming yeah. them and pulling their hair out. Anyway, our number is one 800 848 9222. It is an annual tradition here at WABC. The Sliwa family 
holiday extravaganza, which is every Christmas, every New Year's, every Easter, every Thanksgiving for all the people who are out there on their own, alone, for any number of reasons, you know you have a friend right here in your extended family, WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Classic Three Dog Night. Again, we're going to play a lot of different style tunes that you might not normally hear during the Christmas holiday season. But that's typical of us in this uh, Sliwa holiday extravaganza, which is live radio, not best of, because that's only worst of. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And before we came up to the studios at WABC... We did traditionally what we do every Christmas and every day, Nancy, which is, and it's going to piss some people <laughs> off, a tough noogies. We feed the pigeons. We fed the pigeons outside of our apartment on the Upper West Side, and they were, like, clamoring. They were coming from all over. So imagine what it's like for them to have to survive this Arctic bitter cold. Oh, and, and so many of the ones that we see, because of the pigeon spikes, they have um, either no little toes whatsoever or you know a few of them and you can see that they're going through pain they're struggling through pain torture torture hey look if you want to chase the pigeons away i get it i grew up with pigeons you put out plastic owls i've seen people do that on their windowsills a pigeon will never come near an owl because an owl is a natural predator they're nocturnal uh but no they got to put up the spikes which is medieval it's almost like uh, Vlad the Impaler, the old Romanian uh, torturer who would impale his enemies. And you said, he said, why? And in addition to the pigeons, the little birdies come. These are not pigeons. These are, um, I guess I'm trying to figure out, they're not blackbirds, but they're... And they, like little sparrows. Right, little sparrows. Like, and yeah. they wait. It's like a queue. <laughs> and they all feed. And then outside of WABC, we fed them. I'll never forget the time John Katsimatidis, who was feeding the pigeons outside, and the, the uh, management of the building said to him, hey, you can't feed the pigeons. And he said, oh, I can't feed the pigeons? How about if I buy the building, right? Will I be able to feed the pigeons then? And then all of a sudden they backed off because he obviously has the wherewithal to do that. I know there are people out there, they hate pigeons. They view them as flying rats. But guess what? They have to survive this Arctic chill. And when you see them, they're all tucked together. They got their heads under their wing. It's like incredible amounts of wind and Arctic temperatures. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those those birds that uh, doesn't, you know, fly south for the winter. But it's not typical to have such a uh, a drastic drop in the temperature. So you can see it, um, you know, within the pigeons themselves. Like when I was... In Brooklyn, this is near the shoreline in Sunset Park, there are pigeons who are there. A lot of the birds there are even like seagulls. But that day, seeing them, they had been wet. I mean, they looked so disoriented because they, no matter what they were doing, they got so wet, it was so windy, and they're just trying to 
get their wits about them. It's really difficult to find food for them now. Absolutely. And whereas we have our boots on the ground, Nancy was out there taking care of the feral cats, the pigeons, the other birds. I see uh, our bird flew the coop. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams, swagger man. With no, has he come back yet from Jamaica? Um, what the hell was he yeah, doing in Montego he, Bay in Jamaica? <laughs> he, he said it's too cold here. He oh, was, my God. I, I mean... You know, one thing, if I had been lucky enough to have been elected mayor of the city of New York against Eric Adams, you could have been assured I wasn't going anywhere, especially knowing that a weather emergency was coming. I mean, they were advertising this for days. Nobody could say that the weather forecasters were wrong. Oh, and and, and forget about asking him what he was doing, because he's not going to tell you. Of course not, but we'll extricate it from him. Anyway, let's go to Howie in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here in this frigid Christmas on WABC, Howie. Yeah, it's uh, 25 degrees inside my apartment here at the Dan Dickerson apartment buildings in Ridgeway. I'm here with my two cats, and it was so boring last night listening to 77 WABC. I always listen to Cousin Brucey. He has great, great old songs. But you know, overnight, that's enough already. Yeah, I wish you were on instead. Um, oh, and to your wife, I go outside with my cats um, in and out. But, uh, yeah, I go out with my cats. But, yeah. Um, Do the, it. Because it's so cold, are the cats trying to, like, cuddle underneath the covers? Oh, I have a heating blanket. Oh. And they, they sit on the heating blanket. <laughs> and, uh, that's yeah, a great idea. Howie, uh, Howie I, I promise you and all the other listeners who listen to the other side of Midnight, uh, Frank Morano's version, but the better side of Midnight, which is my version on the weekend, six hours to the break of dawn, that will never happen again. If it does, yeah. they can they can forget me. I'll get a job hanging wallpaper. Uh, it'll, it's either going to be Chris Libertini and oldie moldy traditional stuff that he's played in the past or it's going to be live and local radio, which is the pledge of our ownership and management to do. There'll be no compromises next year, Howie, I promise you. Good. I have an idea for you. You should do supernatural stuff and take away some of uh, the other guys' listeners. Frank Morano's listeners. Supernatural. No, well, the idea is not to take away from Frank Morano's listeners, but to have them listening constantly all morning long, first to Frank Morano. And then to your truly courtesy on the weekend, because I need them, Nancy. As you know, oftentimes I'm out with the guardian angels because of the crime crisis here in the subways. I need our listeners to rat him out to me. What things is he saying? So you want a bunch of narcs. Oh, we have an hour that is the funniest hour ever in all of radio. You laugh from beginning to end, four in the morning to five. Normally we do it Sunday mornings, but obviously we got bumped. So we moved it over to Saturday mornings. It's produced by Avery. He is our phone screener. He is our nighttime producer. He is a fabulous talent. Who knew that he was such a comedic talent? He uses Frank Morano's own words during the week. And then he responds to it. And actually, I respond oh, to it. Yeah. And it is yeah. the funniest hour in all of radio. It's nonstop laughing. I don't think Frank understands. He gives us so much material. Frank is He's so a treasure giving. trove. Oh, if you haven't, you got to go on the podcast. Four to five every Sunday morning before the break of dawn. But this past week, obviously, we got bumped. Again, I promise you that will never happen. They can determine whether it's Curtis Lieber who has to go or Chris Libertini if he decides he wants to die on that sword. You see, see how many people wanted me last night? 
in the wee hours in the morning. I know. And how many people we had thrown a lifeline out? Cindy, who was in Elkhart, Indiana, her and her husband, the morning before. That's right. The boiler had gone out. I was trying to hook her up with Pete Morgan, our great uh, sponsor of of, um, uh, what was the Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg uh, show until he uh, died, Rosenberg show, and now it's Sid and Friends. See if we could help them. They had no boiler. Uh, and then we had a call from Florida of a woman who originally lived in Ohio, so Midwest uh, survival rules. They know how to survive this. And she was giving hints. And, I mean, we were throwing out a lifeline. I'll never forget. There was a time of the blizzard. Unexpectedly hit the interstate going from Richmond to Washington, D.C. Remember when all those trucks and all those cars were, like, piled up? And a guy called in to Frank Morano. Of course, he doesn't know anything other than Staten Island. He, There's nothing I can do. What? What do you mean it's nothing you can do? You're oh, where right. his only lifeline. <laughs> he hung up on the guy. And the guy called me up. Oh, my God. He gave me cauliflower ear complaining. Yeah, no, he, he left him on the road. He left him hanging because, well, he's a rookie. He didn't know. He didn't know how to guide him through. I've been down in those areas. I, I, you know, I, I think I would have known what to do. But, see, that's the difference. We are a lifeline to so many, and we'll continue to be. 1-800-848-9222. I mean, and I guess now you know if you only have one call to make, don't make it to Frank. Yeah, don't make it to Frank Morano because uh, he says he wants to help, but he can't even help himself. So how the hell is he going to help you? Oh, but it, the funniest hour in all of radio. I don't care. We'll compare it to any hour of radio anywhere in the world, AM or FM. It is usually Sunday mornings, 4 to 5. It features Avery, our phone, uh, our, I'm not going to use a telephone talent coordinator. That's ridiculous. That's what uh, Frank calls his phone screeners. But he is our nighttime producer, and it's he spends all week just dissecting and bisecting Frank himself. And Frank himself, when he says it, he never realizes how funny it is to a lot of our listeners. But, oh, God, it's funny. <laughs> Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Phil in Glendale. Your turn to be heard here on this freezing Christmas on WABC, Phil. Hi, Curtis. Nice to talk to you. I did miss you last night. That was a that was a bummer. I'll tell you, that's not right. That'll never happen again, Phil. I promise all of you, I will never let that happen again here at WABC. And I said to my wife, you know, I had a... Um, Operation over the weekend. Uh, I said, yeah, now I need Curtis more, no, more than ever to listen to him, and they take him off. But what <laughs> I called about was, do you remember Mike the Buff used to ride the L train? Yeah. Your handcuffs. Yeah. You remember him? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, the, right? but, uh, Phil, let me describe it to our listeners. There are train buffs, and there are airplane buffs. Train buffs, very commonly seen in London. I saw them there when I was forming the Guardian Angels in the underground. They stand at the end of the platforms. They wear hoodies. Before uh, uh, before um, hoodies became popular here, like uh, uh, Slim Shady, Eminem, they wear hoodies. They're at the end of the platform, and they write the numbers of the train cars down, and they spot them. They're called train spotters. And likewise, airplanes, they'll stay outside of the air, uh, airport and they'll put down the the numbers on the uh, on of the planes, you know, on the back of the, um, the the plane. 
And yeah, I remember Mike DeBuff. He would ride those trains. He knew more about the L train than anybody else. Wait, are they taking the number? Are they gambling on the number? Like no. What? no, they put it in a little, um, what can we call it? Uh, a little book. And they right. match. Right, they match it. Because a lot of times they'll train, they'll change cars and put them on different lines. And they would track that. It becomes, uh, it, it becomes quite interesting. Yeah, they go train yards, East New York yard, Canals yard, oh, wow. etc., and stuff like that. Yeah, they real many of them wanted to be motormen or conductors. They should have been hired, yeah. but for whatever reason, maybe because of a physical uh, problem, uh, they would not be hired, and they would just ride the train. That's a great story. I never knew that. I would see them oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's but I, I Phil, that. I remember him, and he had the pair of handcuffs on. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? The, when, when Jim Carrey was trying to be a guardian angel, he they wouldn't let him be one? That's right. <laughs> uh, you may, Phil, if you ever can, go to YouTube. Jim Carrey, uh, when he was okay. on Living in Color, you know. Uh, yeah, in Living Color, yeah. Right. He did this uh, routine called Woodchuck 1, Woodchuck 2, Woodchuck 3, <laughs> because he said the guardian angels had rejected him. <laughs> And so he started his own little patrol. So he'd have a yellow beret on, and he'd have this um, Motorola radio. He's talking to his mom. He's talking to his mom, woodchuck one, woodchuck two, and he had a pair of handcuffs That's on. That's great. Yeah. It is some of the funniest bits he's ever done in living color. That's when J-Lo was one of the fly girls. Yes, yes. She was just one of the dancers in there, Jennifer Lopez. And then it was the brothers. All from, the Wayans brothers. Right, the Wayans brothers yeah. who were from the Chelsea Projects over on the well, uh, uh, west side. And yet the, the guy who really stood out was the Canadian, Jim Carrey. Yeah, right. That's very true. You get a chance. A you get a chance, Phil. you got to check it out. It is hilarious. Let's go to Dana, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard on this frigid Christmas day here at WABC, Dana. Hey, a Merry Christmas to you and Nancy. And I missed you last night. Really sucked. I oh, t- tell, me, tell me. I, I'm going to kill that guy, Chris Libertini. <laughs> you know what I did do, which was um, out of desperation, but it was funny anyway. I listened to the podcast of the night before. Oh, nice. Oh, good. But you see, Dana, people were so nervous because they know I'm, I'm always here. You know, I could have been shot outside the studio. I would have been in triage up here. They thought that I was in a serious situation. They're texting me, phone calls. My cell phone blew up. What happened? What happened? What happened? And all, all because of this FM veg head, Chris Libertini. How dare you? Exactly. <laughs> Hey, what are you going to do? There's a Bacigalup everywhere. Oh, he, he is a Bacigalup. <laughs> By the way, Bacigalup, the famous Italian organ grinder in Abbott and Costello. Talk about a stereotyped Italian, right, with a, with a hot temper. <laughs> well, I grew up with plenty of them. I actually, I spoke to you before. I'm from Canarsie, too. I you, last time I talked to you, we were talking about that woman who used to pump gas at the Shell Station. Oh. On uh, Rockaway Parkway and Seaview Avenue. Yeah, yeah, and just to remind and people. You worked, at, you worked at that place. Right, uh, just to remind you, I get kicked out of uh, Catholic High School, Brooklyn Prep. The Jesuits shine their boots on my back uh, backside. Kick me to the curb. My father, out on the ship, ship to shore radio, he's a merchant seaman, said, you got three choices, kid. Go back to school, uh, pack your bags, get out of the house, or get a job and pay $75 a week, room and board. To my mother, Francesca, and I said, I'm not going back. 
And so I got a job. I was the night manager of the Shell Station, Rocky Shell Station. He had just finished yeah, sure. doing seven years in Allenwood uh, for uh, uh, currency problems. Uh, he was basically uh, uh, passing counterfeit currency. That what the, that's what they call the currency problems? Yeah. And in the morning, he had this woman with this platinum blonde wig pumping gas the lines were right. The lines were around the block, even though we charged more money than the mobile station across the street. Remember, Dana? Yeah, you know why I know because I used to go to PS two seventy two, and I used to have to walk right past there to go up Seaview Avenue to go to school. But I, wa- I want to tell you, Dana. That guy Howard Schultz, Mister Crossing Guard over there. Oh yeah, Howard Schultz, uh, who became the CEO, lived in the projects Bayview of uh, Starbucks, but. This woman who had her children, she would count the nickels, dimes, and pennies for the tips because guys would give her tips because they would just want to look at her shot of legs. She would say, Curtis, you know why I'm counting this money? Because remember, her shift would begin right after my shift. She says, I got to get a few boxes of Pampers at the end of the week. And that's when I realized, oh, my God. These are people dealing with a crisis every week. And look at me. I was in Brooklyn Prep. We were talking philosophy, uh, theology, things that are not relative to people's lives. And that's when I knew I wasn't going back. I wasn't going back. I now had my boots on the ground. I was living like regular people had to live, surviving from check to check. So the question is, though, did you start wearing hot pants to get tips? Hot pants. I need to dance. No. No. In fact, what I wore, and this uh, didn't do uh, the service station well, it was during the um, the crackdown uh, by the Arab nations against the United States, the oil embargo, because we supported Israel. And I had a massive breakout on my skin. I had uh, gasoline poisoning. It had gotten under my skin. So it looked like I had an enormous acne problem. So I kept a shmata around my head. I looked like an Arab terrorist. And people would call up Rocky and say, you got to get rid of that guy. What is he, supporting the Arab terrorists? He goes, that's my best guy. He's the only person who could be a night manager here. The others got afraid because they were getting held up all the time. That's not a problem for Curtis. So eventually he told me, bye-bye. They think you're Yasser Arafat Jr. and you're supporting the PLO. Oh, what? what are the- you should have won with the hot pants. Hot pants, and I need to dance. And if you listen to James Brown, he had hot pants one and hot pants two. Anyway, we continue on with our, our Sliwa family extravaganza that we do each and every holiday live here at WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Talking about Curtis Sliwa, 77 WABC. Classic scene, March of the Wooden Soldiers, Laurel and Hardy, Fat and Skinny, as they were referred to. Christmas classic. Couldn't believe it. We were watching that before we came here in the Arctic freeze, feeding the pigeons along the way, Nancy. And then to find out people were saying that the March of the Wooden Soldiers was anti-Semitic and anti-black. And I'm saying... How many times have I seen that Christmas classic? I never once thought it was anti-Semitic or anti-black. Oh, what they read into these movies is beyond me. 
And then, of course, my all-time favorite, the, uh, uh, the miracle on 34th Street involving Chris Kringle, who insisted that he was Chris Kringle. And now, under the new revision of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who went on vacation during this weather emergency, unbelievable, to Jamaica, to Montego Bay. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> would have guaranteed you as me, I would have never been going on vacation. Period. But anyway, let's not ruin this uh, Sleewa Christmas extravaganza with live radio here for all those who can't go on vacation, who are shut-ins or are stuck or maybe couldn't travel this holiday season because of the perilous weather. So Chris Kringle, that was his real name. He looked like Santa Claus. They put him in an asylum because he insisted he was Santa Claus. And the amazing thing of that movie is, is that under the new rules and regulations of Eric Adams, which I support, we got to get the emotionally disturbed off the streets, the subways and the parks and into mental care facilities. He would have been dragged with a net. They would have been coming to take him away and they would have put him in an asylum. Oh, absolutely. And then at the end, there were so many letters to the United States Postal Service that were written to Chris Kringle that the federal judge made the decision. Well, the United States Postal Service, a federal agency, says he's uh, Chris Kringle, a.k.a. Santa Claus, and we relieve him. Uh, of being uh, put away for that. Oh, the classic movies. Well, who would have known that the march of the wooden soldiers was thought to be anti-Semitic and anti-black? Yeah, I mean, I could see if they thought people were under the influence when they made the movie because visually, it's a pretty, it's a pretty wild movie. <laughs> All the characters in it. Yeah, it's Hal Roach. I'm pretty sure it's Hal Roach. He's the Irish guy. He did a lot of great stuff. Now, I wonder if because he was friends with Benito Mussolini, they made that connection. But I got to tell you, there were a lot of friends of Benito Mussolini. And then all of a sudden, when we de- uh, declared uh, war, excuse me, they declared war on us. We didn't declare war on them after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. The Germans and Italians declared war on us like three days later. But but the, the storyline of that movie is still very relevant today because the woman living in the old shoe was about to be evicted. Right, and you would think that's socialism, right? I mean, they're they're threatening her and all, apparently all these people who live in the shoe with her. And the workers were being abused by what they call the master. Yes, they called them the master. They called them the master. You know, that included Laurel and Hardy. That would be considered socialism. Yeah, and Laurel and Hardy were sleeping in the same bed. Yeah, now, at the opening scene, you see Laurel and Hardy, better known as Fat and Skinny, sleeping in the same bed. As they look into the camera, it's the opening scene. And back then, you they wouldn't even permit a husband and a wife to be seen in the same bed. Yeah, and for some reason, they're being described as, like, the children. So I guess at that age, it was appropriate for them to still be at home and sleeping in the same bed. It's just kind of odd. That was extraordinarily odd because I'm thinking the Dick Van Dyke series, where he was the, uh, like, business guy coming into the city from, I think, New Rochelle or White Plains. And he had a separate bed from his wife. Uh, forget her name. She was animal rights activist also. I forget her name. Oh, Thursday. See, it's so no, not not Thursday. Uh, it's 
Who, who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is 1960s, and you see them sleeping in separate beds. But you know what was really great about the movie? Like, just, again, watching it in retrospect, it was so well done from, like, a set perspective. So oh. from the costumes to every detail of the set, I mean, today the CGI, like, nothing's real, but... I mean, they had people dressed up in animal suits. They had actual animals all throughout the set. I mean, it's very, not you know, furries, not no, no, furries. No. You yeah. know, people pretending no. to be animals, <laughs> dressed up in full animal suits. And it's the first time you actually see Mickey Mouse. People don't realize it when they have the cat and the mouse in that. Yeah. Um, the March of the Wooden Soldiers. The uh, mouse was on loan from Walt Disney. That was Mickey Mouse, the first Mickey Mouse. And the three little pigs that you saw were on loan from Walt Disney in order to make that epic classic that Hal Roach put together because he was best friends with Walt Disney. Yeah, and it was very weird what they did with, with the mouse because the mouse was listening to the music and, like, sleeping on the steps. Like, yeah, it was a very odd interaction their friendship, too. But what did it remind you? What cartoon? Well, definitely um, Tom and Jerry. That's right. So Cat Tom and, and Jerry certainly came from that. Yep. And what came from Laurel and Hardy? Um, well, that to me looks like Honeymooners, right? Ralph Cramden. Ralph Cramden yeah, big bully. Norton. Yeah, yeah. Versus and, Ed Norton. Ed Norton, who was like uh, Laurel. Yeah, like the laughable, not too, you know, kind of dim-witted, funny guy. Oh. Friendly. But I'm immediately to say, oh, it's anti-Semitic. Yeah, I don't know what that uh, The landlord was uh, a Jew. He didn't identify himself as Jew or Jewish. He didn't have a Jewish name. And in fact, the actor who played him, believe it or not, came to Hal Roach. It's 21 years old. Yeah, they did a good job with that. When you look at it, he looks like he's 81 years old. Well, it was great, too, to, to show how miserly she, uh, that he was when, uh, you know, Ollie went to put his hand into the pocket. There was a mouse trap in there. Yeah, how's that <laughs> anti-Semitic? <Yeah. laughs> and then the, the, the Trogliadites who come out in the end to assist the landlord in getting vengeance. Claim those were black people. Oh, Really? Okay. Uh, I, oh. I don't know what they're looking <laughs> This is just a simple Christmas classic. Uh, Santa Claus, remember, he just has a cameo appearance. Yeah, yeah. It's not all about Santa Claus. He comes to the toy maker. The toys aren't ready. He goes, hey, I didn't order these six-foot wooden soldiers. I ordered, I think, 600. Yeah, six, yeah, six at, at one foot. 600 at one foot. <laughs> and yet they're claiming that's an anti-Semitic movie. It's anti-black. I'm 68 years old. We watched it this morning before we came here while we're feeding the pigeons. And that's the first time I have, and I'm pretty hip on that stuff, things that are anti-Jewish uh, or anti-black. Uh, I mean, and again, as an adult, just to see how they, um, you know, juxtapositioned all of these different fairy tales together, it was so well laid out, so so great. I mean, so greatly done. I mean, it's The only way movie. I would believe that is if... Uh, Kanye West said he's no longer watching the March of the Wooden Soldiers. Well, maybe embracing it. Okay, so you're saying the landlord was wearing Yeezy? Was that what it was? I, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Anyway, the numbers, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joyce and Suffering. Here you go. It's freezing Hi, cold Curtis. here on Christmas. Your turn to be heard, Joyce. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Nancy. Curtis, the answer to the question about Dick Van Dyke is Mary Tyler Moore. Oh. But even Lucy and Ricky didn't sleep together. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. so we... Nancy, I voted for you, by the way, when you were running All right, thank it. you. <laughs> oh, no, you're welcome. I love animals, and I worry about them. Now, now, Joyce, <laughs> let, let's think yes. of this. So the March of the Wooden Soldiers is made in 1934, right? Uh-huh. Uh, 
Laurel and Hardy are in the opening scene. They're sleeping together in a bed, which a lot of people used to do back then. Lincoln slept yeah. with uh, a guy in his bed to stay warm. I don't know if anything <laughs> funny was going to on. To stay warm. R- right. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> well, look, my grandfather and grandmother, Fidela and uh, Nicoletta Bianchino, slept in the same bed with eight of their children. They had to. Sure. There's the only way to stay warm. But anyway, so both Laurel and Hardy are sleeping together, the opening scene. And yet in almost every movie, we never saw a man and a woman, even if they were husband and wife, sleeping together. Yeah. Well, everybody's ultra sensitive to every little thing. You know, that didn't come across my mind at all. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Now, nowadays, it would be said, well, you see, the people on the ultra right would see, uh, were trying to groom you to become homosexual. It's like, I'm no. Right. I'm to the right. I'm an independent voter. Right. But I, I, I'm, I'm right. To the right, let's put it that way. Anyway, Joyce, stay on the line. I am only permitted to give away one Curtis Lee Booby Prize. Ava, please get the information from Joyce. And actually, speaking of the the bed scenario with the um, with the honeymooners, they didn't even show the bedroom, right? They just walked in. So I That's guess right. we're left to wonder: was it one bed or two they beds? They never showed. They never the showed bed. the bedroom. You're right in the honeymooners. Yeah, they never showed the. Uh, the bedroom, and I'm trying to think of any bedroom. So maybe it was like Sodom and Gomorrah because they didn't show the bedroom. It wasn't until Bob and Ted, Carol, and Alice that we actually saw four people in the same bed, that movie, which Natalie Wood was in. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. Ava, please get Joyce's information. I'm only permitted to give away one tchotchke per show, WABC, because... Uh, a limited supply from Red China. You know what happens. Uh, you know this. Hey, Biden, you're, you're impeding. You and Budishay, Budishay are impeding on my supply chain so I can give out tchotchkes, although our ownership and management have said the supply problem should be cleared up after the beginning of the year. So Joyce wins the only Curtis Lee Booby Prize of this show, and it will be her Christmas present. That's right. Oh, Mary Tyler Moore. And Dick Van Dyke, married, living in Westchester, and you saw their separate beds. Wow. Dick Van Dyke's still alive, right? Yes. Yeah, he is. He's like 96 or something. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. Excellent, Nancy. Anyway, let's go to Chris, who's calling from the Catskills, where you must be freezing your tuckers off, Chris. Yeah, it's like 25. You know something, Curtis? I'm waiting on a fuel oil delivery Tuesday morning. I checked my, uh, with a measuring stick cause it's reading below a 10th of a tank. I had uh, eight inches yesterday. I got two inches today. I got a big house. I'm keeping it oh. 57 upstairs, 64 downstairs. Whoa. But, uh, That's close. Hey, you brought up Marvin Hagler. He died like a year and a half ago. I was trying to tell you that the other night. Wait a second. Wait a second. Let me clarify for our audience. Marvelous Marvin Hagler out of Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh, where Rocky Marciano had come from, great fighter. Uh, he went on to do spaghetti westerns in Italy the same way that was done by other Americans, and he sp- spoke fluent Italian. You're telling me he's now dead? 2021, I believe about a year and a half ago. Oh, God, what a great fighter he was. Man, you know, his fights, I'll tell you, two of the, some of the fights, when he had the fight with Juan Roldan, and I remember it was on a March 29th, 1984. I used to be a big boxing fan when I was a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, Roldan was, was hanging with him for the first two and a half rounds. And then Hagler hit him with one punch and his eye blew out. And then he had two fights with Mustafa Hampshire. That's right. He was number one contender. 
And I remember Al Bernstein, the commentator, saying, look, a lot of these things that Hampshire's doing would work against all the other top ten contenders, but it's not going to work against Hagler. Well, a lot of people don't uh, a lot of people don't realize, Chris, Hampshire was from Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, huge Syrian community there that goes back decades. And then of course there was a battle against my very dear friend Vito Antifermo. Uh, who was, like, so tough. This guy would never go down. Vito Antifermo actually lived in Canarsie. But but your point about the uh, female cat here, Chris. Yes. I adopted a cat from a buddy of mine that lives in public housing in Kingston. And the cat is 14 and a half months old, and it's pregnant. And it's an amazing cat, the most intelligent cat I ever had. When I visited with my friend, all his friends that would come over and say, man, this is an awesome cat. I want it. And so he said to me, Chris, if you bring the cat to the ASPCA or get it, get it altered, I'll let, you, I'll let you have the cat. And the cat snuck out a few times, and it wasn't in need anymore. And so uh, he's got to move soon. So I adopted the cat two and a half weeks ago. I went and got her shot, got her checked out at uh, Columbia Green County Humane Society ASPCA. They, they confirmed that she was about, they estimated three weeks pregnant. I'm going to let her keep, have the cat. I've already got four people that want kittens. Um, small cat, it's her first litter. It's going to be her only litter. I'm going to get her altered. Can your wife walk me through or give me some pointers on, lack of a better term, for me being the midwife of this process? <laughs> well, yeah, so the good news is uh, they're very um, you know, self-sufficient when it comes to, to doing this. So your job really is just to make sure that um, you know, she's cared for, she's as comfortable as she can be, and she's, you know, being well-fed. So probably what she'll start to do is if you can, either she has a spot picked out already where she's going to keep them, she's going to have, you know, she's going to birth them and then have them there. So either she picked out a spot already, she's setting up a spot, so anything that's warm. And then obviously I think the, the key point for you is just once she she um, gives birth to the kittens, um, you know, again, her job is to clean them up, take care of them. But you'll notice um, quickly in the interactions, she'll be taking care of them. If you noticed she wasn't, it may be because something's wrong with the cat. But as long as you're making her comfortable, she really does all the work. So it's just taking care of her, really. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Uh, your turn to be heard on this freezing Christmas day with a live program at WABC. Man, Curtis, I missed you last night. Um, that's disgraceful. I shunned what they did. I didn't like that. Anyway, um, just I, I have cats. My landlord keeps a, a colony of cats around the house here. And last night I, I was listening to you, but I already had done it. My um, we have a, a garage on the on the back of the house, and there's a little side door, so I opened it up and I put some blankets in there. But I didn't. I did not have any hay because I know hay is better. Oh yeah. So I went around today, and I still couldn't find it. So I got some beach hayes from the uh, dunes. Do you think that'll work? You know what? You can also take, um, like, newspapers and make it into, like, little shreds. Because this way they can sort of, um, you know, um, bury into it a little bit. That will help keep them warm. So that is a good um, thing to use as well. At like two o'clock in the morning, they were in there. It, there was like fourteen of them in there, all <laughs> together. It was great. And and, and it's it is so me. yeah right. It feels so good when you see them actually taking advantage of it because you know that it really is making a difference. They're drawn to it, so that little bit is really making all the difference. Yeah, I also want to say to Curtis about Avery at Avery's hour. You guys are a phenomenal team. You're doing a great job. At, um, you're not tormenting this guy. Uh, mentoring this guy. Avery is fantastic.
I love him. I think he's great. I think the Sid thing is good. But, well, you know, maybe uh, every night with you or something like that. I don't know. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Tommy, Avery uh, is a talent that we would never have known about. He's quiet the rest of the time. Yeah, you know, he does what he has to do as the nighttime producer of the better side of the other side of midnight that I do uh, Saturday mornings to the break of dawn and Sunday mornings until I was so uh, so uh, wrongfully uh, knocked out of the box. Evicted. Evicted. Hours ago by an FM vet she had known as Chris Libertini who knows nothing about great radio. Nothing. He grew up listening to... Let he grow up. Your favorite radio station that he grew up listening to. That's right. The FM station. He used to Z- put it on in the morning. Z100. Z100. That's yeah. all he knew. He doesn't know anything about AM radio. That's why he knocked me out of the box for six hours. You see all the people complaining now. I know. He better watch when he comes to work tomorrow. The same, the same Christmas, you, you know, like other stations, they do the same repeat Christmas show every year. Nobody listens. Of course. Schmuck putts. People listen to us 24-7-365 all over the globe now. And on the weekends, they expect to hear a live Curtis Lee with show. Because I take them to the break of dawn. And look at the distress. And and to your point, when I'm expecting to hear you on the radio and you're not, I'm trying to call you. Like, Wait, All right, well, when we come back, <laughs> I want two live crew banned in the USA. Because yesterday, I was censored and I was banned on WABC by that FM vetshed. Chris Libertini. 1-800-848-9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Earlier today, a Broward County appellate court judge has upheld a previous ruling to ban the sale of Miami Rap Group to two live crews. Double platinum album, nasty as they want to be in Broward County. We think it's the uh, banning of free speech. The First Amendment protects material, presumptively. We don't talk about uh, harassment, sexually brutalizing women in my music, man. We don't do that in my music, man. I'm tired of you saying that. We've got white collar people trying to grab our side, saying we're too nasty and we're too live. Corrupted politicians playing games. Us down to boost their fame. They must be joking, thinking we were poor, but their life flies moving the wall. We stand tall from beginning to end with help from fans and all our friends. Freedom of speech will never die for us to have. Our ancestors died. Don't keep thinking that we will quit. We'll always stand and never sit. We're too live, too black, too strong. Doing the right thing and not the wrong. So listen up, y'all, to what we say. We won't be banned in the USA. That's my theme. I was banned last night in the USA by Chris Libertini, director of imaging here at WABC. All six hours that I normally do from 12 midnight to the break of dawn six were removed from the schedule. But I started my call back, Nancy. I appeared with uh, Judge Weinberg on the Long Island Report six to seven which pissed off Chris Libertini. How did he muscle his way into that? Tough nuggets try to figure that out, pal. But this will never happen again. This I was banned in the USA because, as you know, in the wee hours of the morning, this is a global show, not only heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, right on down to Davy Jones's locker between Bermuda and Bahamas, but global. 
It's heard all over the world. People listen on their apps, the streaming uh, audio on their um, on their laptops and their worktop computers. So we've had calls in from Buenos Aires, uh, from Melbourne in Australia, uh, from um, actually uh, the last one was Jakarta in Indonesia. We've had calls from all over the world and. I want to apologize to all of you. I see there is a tsunami of negativity as to why they played the oldie moldy Christmas six hour WABC program that meant nothing to nobody. And it was all because of Chris Libertini. It won't happen again. I promise all of you, um, I, I could be shot five times again with hollow point bullets. I will figure out a way from a hospital bed because I ain't dying. I'm, I said, How many lives have I used? I'm like a cat. I, uh, you still have about three left. Got about three left. Okay, my wife's the expert on cats. I would do it from the hospital room. I can't believe it. like it's upset my Christmas. Totally upset my Christmas. Anyway, let's go to Ann, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on this uh, frigid Christmas day with a live program, the Sleewa Extravaganza on WABCN. Good afternoon, Curtis and Nancy. Um, I am going to try to call later to talk to Nancy about shelters, but right now what I want to say to you is, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep laughing, but a couple of days ago, I decided to get onto uh, Frank Barano's Facebook page. Yes. You have no idea. It was like a rebellion yesterday about you not being on last night. I am going to tell you. I'm, I'm reading these posts now. Yeah, no, 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 no. Just so that we can explain to the audience, and it's not my Facebook page. It's Frank Morano's Facebook page. His fans, he's got, yeah. he's got many. He's got a lot of fans. Some of them will like me. Some of them will don't like me. But they were all in an uproar that we did not have a live program with Curtis Sliwa as is normally scheduled, 12 midnight to 6. Curtis, the majority... The vast majority that I had to look on my on my laptop and say, "Am I? This doesn't look like Curtis's page because I know your page. I, I posted something on it for Christmas, and I'm like, oh my God, this is Frank's. It turned into a Curtis page. Yes. Everybody was furious. You, I, I mean, really. Well, I, I, to his credit, and I will tell you, I will tell you that Frank Morano was uh, furious himself, but as the junior member of the overnight uh, team, he didn't want to buck ranks. Because let's face it, I've done this 35 years. I can do this. He didn't want to take that chance. He's got his new child, his family, his house. Uh, but he was also outraged that Chris would bogart us like this. It was horrible. It was. Ho- I mean, if that was a spectacular, uh, I'd hate to see what would happen if they and wanted to. You know what? Uh, we're going to start calling Chris Libertini, director of imaging, the Scrooge. Who stole Christmas? Who stole the life? And, and I was going to do, you know what I do every Christmas Eve? I do the seven fishes, uh, the Italian-American tradition. I give the history. We go through the fishes that people can eat or can't eat, depending on their religion. You know, obviously, the um, Orthodox cannot have the clams, cannot have the mussels, you know, cannot have the uh, oysters, but they can have the to the trout. Uh, they can have the mackerel. And then, and then we could have done a tasting test with all the kids, yeah. all the cats. All the cats, they, they can eat everything. Yeah. In fact, Nancy, what did you feed the cats last night for the seven fishes? 
the tradition of the Italian-American community. What did they get? Well, I gave them two now. See? All the cats, all 18 rescue cats, oldest to youngest, and got tuna last night. We kept the tradition alive, even though that self-hating Italian, Chris Libertini, decided to scuttle us. You should put his uh, email address or something out, because I'll tell you, he would be flooded. (laughs) He would be flooded. Or or, or his home address. His home address. That's the other thing. He hates Jersey. All of his promos are New York City-centric. He said that Ellis Island is New York City. It's not. There's a footbridge that is attached to Jersey City. He said that the Statue of Liberty is New York City. It's not. It is on the side, the border of New Jersey. He said the George Washington Bridge. Yeah, half of it is New York City. Halfway through, you see, there's the big sign, half in the bag, Governor Murphy saying, (laughs) stay out of here, you knuckleheads. This is where Jersey begins, right? Holland Tunnel, Lincoln Tunnel, the same. It's like he's a traitor against New Jersey. Wait, so there's a sign? It's like, welcome to Jersey? Uh, you knuckleheads, yes. Because, you know, Governor Murphy, half in the bag, calls everybody knuckleheads. He actually paid for signs with taxpayer dollars. The big billboard signs on the New Jersey Turnpike, on State uh, Parkway, Atlantic City Expressway, where they raised the tolls for Christmas, right? <laughs> Merry oh, Christmas. Grinch. Um, yeah, big signs, knuckleheads, knuckleheads, knuckleheads. And you reelected him. What schmucks and putts as you are. You had Citarelli, who basically at night had won the election uh, from the scanning, but then lost it on paper. Okay, good. He's term limited out. He's gone. Anyway, let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Yes. Uh, the time I told you that... Uh, are you there? Yes, we're here, Mike. Oh, good. Uh I had told you that time, uh, city, uh, they find that Delhi has a cat in the basement. They charge him like a $500 fine. You said you were going to talk to Bob Holden, Holden to sponsor legislation, but I never heard anything. Yeah, well, Nancy's been doing the deep dive. Could you explain to them what the regulation is by the New York City Department of Health that prevents that on health on a health basis, which makes no sense, Mike? Nancy is, is fully uh, uh, knowledgeable of this. Well, yeah, so it's yeah. A, it's an extremely small section of the Department of Health Code, which has to do with if there uh, is any source of food at all that's open, you can't have any animal there. So this is where the regulation comes from. And, uh, you know, and, and what's really kind of crazy, too, is that Department of Health is also in control of the shelters. So, you know, they're, they're, they're aware of both sides of this issue. They really should be getting on board with people who are already having the cats in the delis because, you know, the alternative is obviously a lot of these toxic, um, you know, pesticides, cleaners, traps. So if yes, a person, yeah, if a person's eating food and they're coming into a deli to get the food, I would rather there be a cat there than there have been, you know, strewn about the place a lot of pesticides. Right. And one other thing I was going to say, are you there? Yeah. Yes, Mike. Oh, yes, uh, for example, the cat in the basement, the rodents go in there and they'll break into the food like a bag of rice, say. You think the owner, most of the time, they're not going to throw it away. They'll just serve it to the people. <laughs> and that's the, the other one, yeah. Had, uh, I'm sorry? That's, that's true. That's true. That's when, that's my point. But any chance the city council could change the law? Well, uh, Nancy is working uh, with uh, Robert Holden, great listener of WABC, a great fan of animal welfare. Uh, and we'll see what can be done, but it's ridiculous. Uh, there are men like our own John Katsimatidis, who has this massive supermarket chain that he started with one. I forget the name of his original cat, Progeny. There was like 
had 185 cats that came from the one cat. And they used to be in every grocery store, every supermarket, every retail establishment because they would keep the rats, the rodents, the mice away. And then what happened all of a sudden? The Department of Health that knows nothing at all about rats. You you notice the missing in action, uh, Eric Adams, who went on vacation during this Arctic uh, snow bomb. Uh, He's looking for a rat czar. He says he's afraid of rats, which nobody admits unless they really are. And yet he doesn't revert to the traditional method that was used before there was pesticides, before there was dry ice that they would use, before... Eric Adams himself, and maybe his worst hour as an elected official when he was Brooklyn Borough president, uh, called a press conference, and in front of uh, a gaggle of reporters, drowned rats, drowned them. You saw them drowning in front, and he had a smile on his face. And I remember, Nancy, you went to the Brooklyn Borough president's office to offer Eric Adams at that time and his assistant help with this uh, I, th- I think they were pleasant towards you, but they never did anything, right? Yeah, so, I mean, this this continuation of trying to address the rodents problem, I mean, clearly they're, they're very vested in doing it in the way that they are because there's a lot of contracts that they dole out, like $8,000 garbage cans. So, unfortunately, they have too many relationships to, you know, step back and really do the right thing. And the right thing is just to recognize what's going on, which is that we already have an abundance of outdoor feral cats. We already have people taking care of them. And this is what they do naturally. So you have to re- really be able to marry those ideas together, step back and look at the situation logically. And unfortunately, um, you know, they're too financially vested to to make that you know appropriate decision. Well, um, how about this? He hasn't been able to come up with a rat czar. I'm the biggest rat in all of New York City, two-legged rat. I rat out more criminals and more members of organized crime and more crooked politicians than anybody else. I call them out all the time. And there's nobody who knows more about four-legged rats than me. I've been down in the sewers. I'm not afraid of rats. The mayor has gone on record and said he's afraid of rats. I get it. I'm not. How about in my off hour or two, I become the rat czar for the city of New York. And all I'll do is, like Santa Claus, I'll go to all five boroughs with you, uh, Nancy. You'll be Mrs. Santa Claus. And we will set up feral cat colonies and help people. And all the only help they'll probably need is just possibly with food and shots and spading and neutering of the cats that live outdoors. And you will see immediately a difference in the rat, rodent, and mice population. I mean, and and also just think about the difference in um, how you're creating a community awareness and letting young people know this is how you can make a difference. So it doesn't require a lot of money or time, but you can be directly involved in doing something positive in your community, caring for animals, keeping it clean, keeping it free of rodents, and you're personally involved in doing it. So you can see direct actions from what you've done and be proud of it. So there's so many things on so many levels that you can gain from this. Let me get you on record, Mrs. Sliwa. I'm (laughs) asking permission to uh, sign up voluntarily. I don't want any money from the taxpayers. I only need a few hours a day to do the job. Imagine they had hired a guy in the de Blasio administration to run NYCHA housing, which is in just total disrepair. The the guy would fly fly in from Minneapolis on Monday. We'd pay for that. Would fly back on Friday like he was the only one. And he got paid more than anybody else, including the mayor in the city administration. Thankfully, he's gone. But no pay. A few hours a day, I'll be the rat czar. 
You'll be my assistant uh, as uh, Mrs. Santa Claus, and we'll set up the uh, feral uh, cat uh, colonies all over the city. Sounds like a plan. And work with the other volunteers who do this on a regular mm-hmm. basis, but they need a little help. And I don't think anybody could ever disavow the fact that I'm the biggest rat in New York City. I mean, I've worn wires. I've put wise guys away. I've given testimony. I go after crooked officials, Republican or Democrat. By the way, where are you, George Santos? Republican congressman from the North. Oh, the total fraud. Wait, any chance he was on vacation with Eric Adams? Yeah, you never know. You don't often see Eric Adams with a woman. Hey, look, I'm not saying anything, but until he fesses up and explains where the hell he was for two and a half days. Later on, we're going to get into that 9 o'clock to 11 before the animal welfare hour. I'll be back from 9 to 11. I'm going to do a deep dive into where in Montego Bay he was in Jamaica. Cardi B was there with all the hip-hop monsters. And he was there. I'm pretty, I pretty much connected 90% of this. That he decided to hang out with his hip-hop monster friends, then deal with the imminent uh, weather crisis here in New York City, the, the poor people in Howard Beach, Broad Channel, Rockaways, Underwater. And you know some They didn't vote for him. You they know, voted for and me. And you know what's kind of curious? I, I, I'm curious how he could get out of town when all these flights were canceled, right? Teterboro Airport. Yeah. Brock Pierce, the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemer, the Bitcoin guy with all the other Bitcoin criminals that have a haven in Puerto Rico. I I predict flew him out on his private jet, first to Puerto Rico, then they hopped over to Jamaica. He spent the time there two days and came back in time to be at the midnight mass with Cardinal Dolan. And of course, he's going to be there because here are the two guys who are using our money to subsidize all the illegal aliens coming into our city. Catholic Charities, which doesn't spend a dollar of Catholic money, it's our tax dollars. And Eric Adams, who was saying, who's your daddy? Who's your Papa Chulo? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. How do you pick up on Thursday? Remember, you had that brand new Staten Island Ferry. Boy, that says a lot about our purchasing power. That had a boiler room fire in which the passengers had to be taken off in life vests, uh, life preservers in the lifeboats. And you notice you didn't see a picture of Mr. Photo Op, Eric Adams, in the life vest, you know, down there rowing one of the boats. And that's when I knew, Nancy, that he wasn't around. And then it turns out they said, well, he's gone for the next two and a half days, but we're not going to tell you where. We know, but we're not telling you. And then to uh, Sal Albanese. A uh, former uh, city council member and a man that I supported uh, in the Reform Party line to run for mayor against Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. He ratted him out. He eats my Parmesan cheese, Sal Albanese, out in Staten Island. He says, oh, everybody knows he's in Jamaica. 
And then all of a sudden he realized, oh, my Democratic friends, uh, they're going to make me an outcast. Well, no problem, Sal. You got a home here with Curtis Sliwa. You're good. You ate the Parmesan cheese. Taxpayers have a right to know. That's what happens when you have a job that's not all that difficult, as he says. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, Eric Adams, in the year-end article that he submitted to for Vanity Fair, said, being mayor, it's not, not a tough job. Not a tough job. Nancy, when I was going up, there was like a standing rule. Being president of the United States was the toughest job in America. The second toughest job was being mayor. And ever since uh, Joe Biden has become president, we know half the time he's in a basement. He's not working hard. And de Blasio, for eight years, you know, he was a part-time mayor. And now Eric Adams, he's the party mayor. And the out-of-town Adams, that's that's the new nickname, out-of-town Adams, Qatar. Jamaica. Yeah, like his his um uh, his passport must be like stamped all over the place. Now think about it, and I'm going to get into it more in depth. B- Bloomberg did this every weekend and was arrogant. I'm not telling you where I am. Yeah, in Bermuda. And then he got stuck there during the blizzard. He left this guy Goldschmidt, who he uh, appointed deputy mayor, who had been the mayor of Indianapolis in charge, and he was in Georgetown in Washington D.C. during the blizzard. Chris Christie, he had left New Jersey during a blizzard. Uh, Ted Cruz, remember the freeze in Texas like yeah. this? He left Cancun with his family. And they always do this. And they act like, what? We're entitled to our own time. Not in the midst of an emergency, especially one that the weather forecasters were absolutely correct about a week ago. You know, and, and with all of the homeless people that they're trying to now help, oh, if, if they're a harm to themselves, well, anyone who was outside... They are a harm to themselves because they, they would have been freezing outside. So, I mean, this would have been the go time. You ha- you should have been here. I have no idea why he would have bailed out of town. And then tonight I got to get into this because I guess the Ukrainian Orthodox Church wants to turn this into a religious war now between um, the Ukraine and Russia. They are declaring that they are moving their Christmas celebration to December 25th, which is what the West did when they put the line of demarcation from the East. So now they're at odds with all the Orthodox who celebrate their Christmas on January 6th. Why the hell are you doing that? It's like, it's bad enough, right? Now they're going to turn this into a religious war. It's like, Ukrainian Orthodox, we don't want you celebrating your Christmas on the Western Christmas, 1225. Do it on the Orthodox Christmas January 6th. Well, we were watching a, a non-secular um, holiday event yesterday, right? The the kittens party? Yes. That was so good. <laughs> That's how everyone can come together, just around the animals. That's right. All the kittens were together. And again, I want to uh, thank our very dear sponsor of the Animal Welfare Hour that will be live tonight. As everything I do is live, 11 to 12. It's the most listened to, the most requested the most participatory of all the hours that I do at WABC, and uh, Leo Grillo, who runs Delta Rescue, the no-kill shelter, something the city of New York should have. In fact, John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, when he ran for mayor in 2013, he was the first to advocate of anyone in the country uh, at a uh, governmental level, no-kill shelters, and I naturally utilize that as part of our platform. But Leo Grillo does it privately. DeltaRescue.org, DeltaRescue.org. He supports our program. Um, It's a no-kill shelter. And he sent stockings stuffed with the goodies for all 18 of our rescue cats with their name on it 
from the patriarch Apollo to the matriarch Athena to our oldest cat, Tuner, our AARP cat, and the toys were laced with catnip. <laughs> and they were up all last night. You could hear little bells going off because they're playing with the toys everywhere. Oh, they, 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 they were absolutely going on it. Let's go to Linda in New York. Uh, your turn to be heard on this uh, Sliwa family annual Christmas extravaganza on WABC, Linda. Calling to let you know that Houdini is buried in Cypress Hills in the new Mount Carmel Cemetery in the Concord uh, Association, Concord Society plot. Now, you do realize, uh, Linda, that Harry Houdini was the greatest illusionist of all time. The greatest. They'd hang him upside down in the East River. He'd have the straitjacket on. He'd be handcuffed. He'd have chains and locks around his body, and they'd put him right in the East River, and he'd escape. East River. Right. The greatest escape artist ever. And so there's an illusion. They've created an illusion as to where he's buried. I know where he's buried, but I'm not sharing it any longer because there are a number of plots that claim to be Harry Houdini's last resting place because he is the greatest illusionist of all time. You'll never know. The shanda in all of this is that his wife had married him. Harry Houdini was uh, Jewish, and her family would not allow her to be buried with him because it was a Jewish cemetery. I mean, that, that is bad. So she's buried up there in Westchester uh, at a family plot. Anyway, uh, let's go back to the phones and to Mike, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here. Shiver my timber on this frozen Christmas day, Mike. Uh, real quick, the the, uh, the fact you weren't on the air last night on Christmas Eve, that's what's called an unforced error. I mean, you had thousands of people pouring back from midnight mass. It would have been mass. It would have been like the coolest thing ever to get like the post game review and blah, blah. I have no idea why you were on the air. And it fell on your night. It's not going to happen for another seven years. So uh, that was very, very bizarre head scratcher moment. But anyway, thanks for a great year of radio and keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Mike, Mike, uh, I am putting this entire two hours. And when this utraditor, this imaging director, Chris Libertini, who never listened to AM radio in his life, he's an FM veghead. When he gets back on Monday, he'll be lucky to get through the doors here at WABC. They'll be out with the pitchforks. He has no idea. See, he doesn't even listen to his own. They don't. So many of these youngsters here have some money. You ask them what's on the station that pay, gives them their paycheck. They have no idea. Actually, that's a great point. All the people coming back from Midnight Mass. Yeah. Yeah. They have no idea. I knew that. Right? I knew that. But, oh, no, no, Chris Libertini. No, no, no. We're not having that. We're having a Christmas extravaganza with voices of people at WABC that you didn't even know existed at WABC. Well, that made a lot of sense. And it's the same recycled program that they do every year. It's sort of like, hey, guys, don't you know this is a new era? We're back to being the number one news talk station in the nation, live and local programming. That's what I'm going to war on. Everyone who takes advantage of that. And I've gone to a war against O'Reilly. He's got this... It's Mike Slater, podcast substituting for him. He is the worst. He did a whole 15-minute rant about how Barbie was a prostitute from 12 to 12.15, substituting for O'Reilly. Hey, if O'Reilly doesn't want to be here, fine. I'll do the 15 minutes. I'm coming after everybody's real estate. They got to know. 
Once you become number one, the hardest part, Nancy, is staying number one. Because then everybody is after you. The great Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers, you know, he said, the only thing in life is winning. It's all that counts. But as he would tell his team, and they would play in temperatures like this in Green Bay, they would play football, he would say, guys, it was a lot easier getting to be where we are, the world champions, than defending our title, because they're all coming after us now. They're all coming after, and they're gonna, they're, their best games are going to be played against us. Even here in the Ice Bowl in Green Bay, their best games will be played against us. And he was absolutely right. By the way, Vince Lombardi from Brooklyn, went to Fordham University, the four blocks of granite, local guy. That's right. The only thing that counts is winning. Think of it now. They give you a trophy <laughs> if, if, if you lose. They give you a trophy. Oh, for participating. Can you imagine what Vince Lombardi will Trophy for what? You know what? And, and with the kids who get the trophies when they're young, you're making them think they're good when they, maybe they could have gotten into something that they actually were good at if they weren't being Nancy, lied to. Nancy, I've told this story. My youngest son, Hunter, <laughs> is a goalie in soccer. First of all, I hate soccer. It's fake, phony, fraudulent football they spell with a U. They lost every game. They gave him a trophy. Yeah, I'm not sure what that teaches them. I said, what's the trophy for? Participation. Uh... A trophy? You don't get that in life. You show up to work. You know, they say that's half the battle, showing up to work uh, So then on the time. winners get a trophy, too? Everybody gets so a trophy. So then what's the difference? Eh, their trophies are <laughs> a little bigger than the other trophies. They should give you, a, like, a, like, a stocking filled with coal. This is absolutely nuts. nuts. Let's go once again to Florida, which uh, at the end of the year now has more people migra- migrating to Florida than any other state in the nation. First time it's been the designated opt-to place to leave in the exodus. More people fleeing from Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania to Florida than ever before. Steve, your turn to be heard as we're freezing our tuckers here on Christmas. What's the temperature down there, Steve? This morning it was in the low 20s. Wow, now that's danger because of all the uh, citrus crops, especially the oranges. Did they have the barrels out there where they were burning wood in order to try to keep the temperatures up so the citrus crop wouldn't freeze? Well, I'm up in the northern part of Florida between Jacksonville and Gainesville, so there's not any citrus up here anymore. Back in 1895, there was a great freeze that killed all the citrus trees, so now everything citrus like oranges, lemons, stuff like that, is down uh, below Orlando or so, where it doesn't really get cold enough to freeze them out. You know, Steve, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a diner with some of the Guardian Angels. We were starting a group in Jacksonville, which is like uh, a city you could be driving a car, and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're still in Jacksonville. It's so yeah. huge. And that was and the morning. The that was place either. Yeah, that was the morning the Challenger was going up, and I turned to the guys and I said, man, it is cold. Why are they launching the Challenger from, it'll always be Cape Canaveral to me, and that's uh, the day, remember, it exploded? Even down there it was cold. Yeah, it was freezing that day, and I I even look back now and I say, why would you have launched that rocket with all those astronauts on a day unseasonably cold in Florida, why wouldn't you have just rolled it over and waited for a normal day? Well, you know, even where I live, I can see the launches from the Cape down there. 
but I was in Tallahassee at the time, and I was watching it on TV, and when I saw that thing explode, I cried. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, devastating. I remember we we had a lot of activity that day. We we canceled all of our activities. People were stunned. They were driving around, walking around, stunned uh, yeah. be- because of what had occurred. Yeah, it was awful. Well, anyhow, Curtis, what I wanted to do was, first of all, commend you and Nancy for the work that you do for the cats, those poor, innocent little things that are out there on their own. And we, as higher animals, you know, it's up to us. You know, God gave us the uh, the ability to look after them, and it's it's our duty. So I commend both of you. Well, Steve, in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, he said, a society that does not take care of its animals does not take care of its people. As we were coming here today, uh, you look on the trains, all the homeless people, the emotionally disturbed. Gandhi was absolutely right. Let's go to Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on this frigid uh, Christmas day here at WABC, Tony. Hi, my friends, Curtis and Nancy. I love you guys. I just want to say last night I was home. It was a cold night. I listened to Cousin Brucey, and after that it was all downhill because he's my honey. And after that, then when they did that Christmas holiday extravaganza, I don't know what was worse, the Yule log or the Christmas extravaganza. It was treacherous. So you mean the Uh, traditional burning of the Yule log? It used to be on Channel 11 all night. That's all it was. It's just the Yule log burning with a little music. You you would have chosen that than to what (laughs) Chris Liberdini did last night to this great station, WABC. Am I right, Tony? There's something off in the head over there and somebody needs to examine him a little bit. But I love you guys and I'm, I'm so glad to hear you today. Wow. Tony, I appreciate that. That was the biggest put down of Chris Libertini. The fact that she turned on mm-hmm. the burning of the Christmas Yuletide log. Channel 11 would do that. Shameful. Nobody watched that. Nobody. And so she would rather watch that and just get blinded by that and listen to that six hours that Chris put on. That's, that's sad to hear. And they had people coming in and doing salutations and greetings for Christmas that I never saw here before at WABC. Oh, who's that? Don't worry about that. They're the voices of WABC past. I mean, you say to yourself, who are these people? Why are you doing this when you have a live and local show that I do every year? The Night of the Seven Fishes. And, as was pointed out by one of our very cogent listeners... People coming back from midnight mass, freezing their took us off. They're not going to go right to sleep. They're going to turn on the radio. And as soon as they turned it on and heard that, where's Curtis? Boom, turned it right off. Exactly. Except in the case of Tony and Clifton, who turned on the Yuletide log burning. I swear to all of you, on my mother and father's grave at um, St. Mary's, um, St. Mary's Cemetery in Queens along the LIE, That will never happen again. That will never, ever. I will go to management and say, pick, pick. You want to keep this guy, this FM veg head? Keep Chris Libertini? I'm out of here. If you let him do this again, same time, same place next year. Go ahead. 
I'm used to gun smoke here. I have no problems. I've done that many times in my life. Sometimes I've had to leave a place. Sometimes I've won. It's gun smoke. Black hat, Chris Libertini versus white hat. And that's not racist. You know, like they try to make March of the Wooden Soldiers, which I'll talk about later. Racist. So are you ready for the animal welfare edition tonight, Nancy? I am ready. There's so much to talk about in the animal world because so many of them are under distress and stress because of this Arctic snow bomb. I'll try to have word of where the mayor was who decided to abandon New York City during this Arctic freeze. But 90% of me has pinned him down to Montego Bay in Jamaica with Cardi B and the rest of the hip-hop monsters because he's so proud now to be the hip-hop mayor. I guess that's more important than being mayor of all the people who are freezing their tuchuses off at WABC. Thanks for keeping the tradition of the Sliwa family live show alive, Nancy. Thank you. 